Today on Table Talk Radio, we have a visit from Lumpy, talking about something or other. Mission Vision comes around and is terribly offended by the numbers 5 and 2. And we play Book of Concord B to change the world. A radio show that confesses Christ. Without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously. Without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to... Table Talk Radio. Jesus does not lie. And he told me, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He told me, this is my blood shed for you. He told me, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I've heard the Lord's voice in the absolution forgiven. He's, he's told me that he, uh, that he loves the world, that he died for the world, that he shed his blood to save me and forgive me. He said it and he doesn't lie. Those sins which we're supposed to be conquering have been conquered not by our striving to overcome them, but have they been conquered by the death of Jesus. Those sins, even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome, even the, the sins that we keep coming back to, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is is putting to death the old, the old Adam, the old flesh by confessing our sins. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading Facebook statuses. Like falling in an open manhole, this is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Speaking of cesspools. <laughs> Welcome we to another edition. We about Twitter a minute ago. Yeah. That's oh, pretty- you're so anti, <laughs> anti-social networking now. Uh, am I? I cause only because I... I accident I logged off of my Twitter because I just was reminded that I had at Mission Vision sixty two on Twitter, and now not only can I remember how to log on for at Mission Vision, I can't remember how to log on for myself. So I permanently logged myself off of Twitter. Cool. Way to go! That's <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're congratulating what else, me. This what else could you need? Semi tragic. You've been elevated in life. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. Now, I, you've seen my uh, my Twitter account's going to be open for hacking, like your face fake Twitter account was. Whatever happened to that? Uh, our crack legal team's in a cease and desist in which the uh, owner complied. I think I gotta. I think if I log on to my phone Twitter, I can switch. Let me check. All right. So anyway, we'll so we're gonna do Carry some on. buzzwords first. My, I, by the way, decided to do a series of adjectives for buzzwords, um, oh. just for the fun of it. Bit of a, <laughs> bit on a bit of a adjective kick there. Sure, why not? Um, patristic is an adjective that is used to refer to the first centuries of of the church. So, um, so we talk about the the patristic period or the patristic fathers. We're talking about uh, those. Uh, writings during the time of the of the early New Testament and and beyond. So patristic is your theological buzzword. Got it. My buzzword for you is sufficiency. When we say sufficiency, we're talking about the that the Bible has enough. It's complete. You don't need anything more. Probably the big, best place where Jesus teaches sufficiency is in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man when he says uh, you remember this? He, uh, he says, uh, send, send me back so I can talk to my brothers and they won't come here to hell. And Jesus says, they have Moses and the prophets. That is enough. So 
the sufficiency is the enoughness of the scriptures. So is there a distinction e- be- between sufficiency and sola scriptura, or are they both the same? Well, there, suffi- sufficiency is a part of sola scriptura. Doctrine of sola scriptura, in, in, in fact, embraces all of the attributes of scripture, which would be inspiration, inerrancy, infallibility, clarity, sufficiency, and efficacy. Okay, so can you prove sufficiency from the Bible? <laughs> yes. Get it? Because Remember how I just did? If you can't, then... Okay, anyway. Uh, um, you see the lack of sufficiency in the Roman Catholic Church. Basically, anybody who says, uh, hey, you got, doctrine can grow is uh, denying the sufficiency of Scripture. But we see it mostly in the Church today when people say... Um, they want a private revelation from God. So along, er, basically everybody who says they want a personal relationship with God also wants a personal revelation from God. And that desire to have a personal revelation is a denial of the sufficiency of the Scripture. Aha, got it. So the Word of God is enough. Yes. Okay, so we don't do emails anymore, except that we only do emails now. Um, which means <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be playing the games today, reading your emails and playing first. If you like it, then you better put the best instruction on it. Then book of Concord B then Lumpy's back is Lumpy back for a game of translating evangelicalisms. Where's my pipe? I hope not. Huh? If I could find my pipe, then Lumpy might come back. <laughs> Uh-oh, he Lumpy's found it. here. <laughs> <laughs> Eureka. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to have Lumpy read this email. Okay. Where are you here? Uh, Hey, hey, hey! All caps, exclamation mark. This is from Shorty. Hey, hey, hey! You guys seriously need to keep going on that last episode, which was episode... That was a different episode than last one, actually. As there... uh, 340. As in there has to be a part two on the last segment of the episode Lumpy Returns. What episode was that? 340. 340. And uh, today's episode is what? I don't know. <laughs> Three. It appears like there are more evangelicalisms in that article that had yet to be mentioned, and you guys were on a roll. The exception, I know. That article was evangelical news to even me, a guy who's fresh out of the system by only three years or so. Seems like not only information moves at the speed of light nowadays, but the culture as well. Kind of like what Shakespeare depicted as the mob in Julius Caesar, how the masses are easily swayed. I guess that's a great point to, uh, of inspiration for Mission Vision Man movement. Whoo! This just breaks off into nonsense at the end of this letter. <laughs> this letter is not even using complete sentences. It's like a praise song at the end here. Signed, Shorty from Telemuk. All right. Thanks, Shorty, for the email. So as a refresher, uh, back in show 340, we were reading an article that was sent to us by one of our listeners that was found Alicia. on faithstreet.com, and it's entitled, Six Popular Christian Sayings That Are Not True. Number one, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Number two, the Bible is the Word of God. Number three, if everything in the Bible is not literally true, the whole thing falls apart. Number four, America is or was a Christian nation. Number five, if you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? Which is actually not, I mean, it's a question, so I don't know how it could be a thing that's not true, but whatever. 
Then number six. So apparently we did all five of those. So now it's time for number six. And it is, quote, Jesus talked more about hell than heaven. This, by the way, is lumpy. I don't know if you noticed. Hey, Lumpy. Long time no talk. Goodness. I know. I know. Uh, In the Gospels, uh, the article continues, Jesus uses words often translated as hell exactly 11 times. By contrast, Jesus uses the word heaven 11 times in the Sermon on the Mount alone. The Gospel writers include the word heaven 123 times, mostly when quoting Jesus. But again, Jesus talks about heaven as somewhere we go when we die exactly zero times. He talks about Abraham's bosom, but that's not even heaven. He says that in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but that's not heaven either. And sometimes when Jesus talks about heaven, he just means the sky. Either He talks about people being cast into outer darkness in his parables and about people being carried into Gehenna, which is the garbage dump outside Jerusalem. Heaven and hell were not Jesus' focus. His focus was the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, His movement of love and justice for all that Christians believe will culminate in the restoration of all things at his return. Oh, for heaven's sakes. (laughs) Okay, so now what were we doing with this? So you have, okay, so you have an evangelicalism. Jesus talked more about hell than heaven. And then you have a liberal evangelical saying that that's not true. Do you you see what this article is? Mm -hmm. This is like, this is like a failed attempt at translating evangelicalisms. Right. I think what because, we were doing in the show now, I, I was reading like, the cliche, and then we would respond to it rather than reading the guy, uh, the guy's article. I think we read the article because I remember being worked up at this before. <laughs> and these cliches will get you worked up. But this now, now it is a, something to point out the fact that that evangelicalism is seemingly uh, stumbling speedily towards plain old liberalism. I mean, we had it in what was that thing called the emergent church? Remember, and like, we're emergent, and we're and now we're emerging, and now we're emerging from the emergence, and then and pretty soon they're just going to be the Borg. <laughs> I mean, who knows what the heck they were doing? Like we're we're ancient and modern and orthodox and heretical at the same. You know, that's whole. Remember the remember how the emergent church was this kind of. This is what it was. You remember in high school. There was the guys that played football, and they were the popular kids. And then there was the kind of the theater guys that maybe they painted, did poetry. <laughs> so the big, the mega church is all those football players became evangelical pastors, and the emergent church is all the theater guys became evangelical pastors. That's just basically how it happened. But now everybody in evangelicalism is stumbling over itself to be liberal. So, you know, now it's all about the openness, about loving the neighbor. It's all about caring for your neighbor's needs. You know, the social justice gospel has has almost won the day in the mind of evangelicalism. And you see it here in this this complete rebuke of the idea of heaven and hell. Heaven and hell, oh, that was so 1950s. Uh, now we've got to move beha- past that. Gehenna actually means the garbage dump, and Jesus never talked about heaven either. Oh my goodness! All right, so um, it's uh, evangelicalism is a disaster. You know, fundamentalism to evangelicalism, it's just it's pretty soon going to be to to liberalism. There's not going to be any evangelicalism left. True. Okay, so let's take a break. I have a c- couple things to say about this little uh, statement article about Jesus talked more about hell than heaven. And then when we come back, we'll be play. I don't know what we're doing next because you took things out of order. So we're either going to be doing Book of Concord B or better put the best construction on it. We're right back. More Table Talk Radio. Running down to the riptide, taking away too much. 
Table that? Talk Radio. Singing about we me. love our on-demand listener. Hey, rolling the tracks from Club Rogue River. That is right. Those are from the... You know, Club Rogue River isn't the same as it used to be. I mean... <laughs> what, what's going on? Something doesn't quite have the same vibe. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Does Mandy listen to our show? <laughs> I don't think so. No, I'm pretty sure she doesn't. Although one time I was I was on um, I was on the on the morning show here in Rogue River and I didn't think she was listening and lo and behold she was while she was on her way to work <laughs> so I don't know I think she checks in once in a while just to, yeah. just to see what we're saying about her anyway yeah, um, probably so we were talking about this article that is about six popular thing Christians are saying that aren't true and the one that he brings up is Jesus talking more about hell than heaven, and he kind of counts the number of times that's used, but then in the end kind of says, heaven and hell were not Jesus' focus. Hmm. His focus yeah, was the... Is, yeah. <laughs> you want to comment this on that so, before we... This is so... so I mean, Je- you know, more, normally, you know. Uh, the, the, the evangelicals are like, hey, the, all the libs, this is how the liberal argument goes. They're like, look, you, you, all, you even, all you fundamentalists are always talking about heaven and hell and, and how Jesus talked about hell so much. Uh, and this guy says, well, Jesus didn't talk about hell that much, but he didn't talk about heaven that much either. <laughs> he didn't talk about either of them. Well, I like he just the, talks about earth. I and, like this statement. Heaven and hell were not Jesus' focus. Now, remind me again why Jesus came to earth. Um, oh, yeah, to bring sinners to heaven. Kind of his focus why he's there hanging on the cross all bloody and stuff. Because he wants sinners to go to heaven. He just wanted heaven. to make a better place on earth, you know. <laughs> My kingdom is not of this world, but yours should be. Right. So, um, but this, this, by the way, is how authors like Rob Bell denied the doctrine of hell. Hey, I never realized bell and hell, they rhyme together. Um, that because he's saying, look, the kingdom of heaven that Jesus was so concerned about is all about, uh, quote, uh, and I'm quoting the article here, not Rob Bell, his movement of love and justice for all. And that will culminate in the restoration of all things. Now, this is kind of like, this reminds me of, what's that, what's that old end-time theology that nobody believes anymore, that the, the millennium is the golden age in which things are going to be oh, really, yeah, yeah. really, really, really good? I mean, this post millennialism. Yeah, so so it's it's like they're they're looking for the kingdom of heaven to be inaugurated by Christians being so loving and social justice and giving homeless people sleeping bags, which isn't a bad thing. But that's not the kingdom of heaven. Not a bad thing. <laughs> it's it's not the kingdom of heaven. It, it the kingdom of heaven is. Um, I mean, so so we talk about that there that the kingdom of heaven is now. Um, I like the way that that guy over at uh, Concordia Seminary puts it, uh, Jeff Gibbs. He talks about the reign of heaven, the, the 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 kingship of heaven, and where is the king, but where the king is doing his activity. And that can be found where he is bestowing the forgiveness of sin, so that the king is doing his activity in word and sacrament. So we are in the kingdom of heaven now and looking forward to the future in which it is... Uh, uh, in on the last day as well in the resurrection as Jesus said. Yes. 
So not now that, that is a point. By the way, that we could say Jesus doesn't Jesus doesn't spend a whole lot of time talking about the state that we enter into after we die before the resurrection, uh, and uh, the intermediate state that's called, and that's really probably what we mean by heaven when a soul gets to go to be with Jesus and the body hangs around in the grave. And that is, is not an emphasis in the Bible, but the resurrection is. And by the way, there's a resurrection to life and a resurrection to death, which is what Jesus talks about. Uh, you know, the place where the worm just eats you and the fire never goes out. That, that's thing Jesus talks about. You, and, and just because Jesus doesn't talk about it. I mean, how many times would Jesus have to mention hell for it to actually matter, you know, for this author? It's like, uh, we only want to take the... We only want to believe the things that Jesus talks about 14 times or more. You know, I mean, that's absurd. That's an absurd way to read the Bible. Indeed. Okay, so now um, the next thing we're <laughs> going to be doing is uh, playing a little, uh, if you like, you better put the best construction on it. Hey, I'll do the singing around here. What? If you like, then you better put the best construction on it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should stick to our uh, our day jobs. Um, okay. Nikki writes, Dear Pastors, I discovered your Table Talk podcast, and I was listening to some older episodes. I was listening to episode 331. That's against hey, our advice, by the way. You were way. talking about... Listening to older episodes. Uh, you were talking about how trusting someone is a sin. I got a couple emails about this one. It was in the context of a church leader asking others to trust him. I was trying to think of what the opposite of trust would be. Would it be paranoia or worry of what others are going to betray you? The Bible says trust only in the Lord. What does that look like in our relationship with others? Should we constantly be expecting that our friends and family are going to do something wrong? I know it might be hard for you to think back to that show. Indeed it is, Nikki. So I understand if it's too difficult to understand, but if you could help me understand the topic, I would greatly appreciate that. Thanks, Nikki. Nikki with a C and a K, like Nick E. Except for it's I, but Nikki, see, got it. Doesn't isn't Nikki normally spelled differently? I don't think. Now so. we're gonna play the game to answer this question. We are playing the game. If you like it, then you better put a best construction on it. And I am going to, I'm going to be a person. A little, little role playing. You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be a person, and I'm gonna ask you to trust me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. And then you got to put the best construction on it. We're going to see how this goes. Okay? <laughs> Wait, no, do we do the normal thing here? So I, I talk about the uh, best construction, worst construction, and the likely construction. Is that how we're playing this game? Sure. Oh, okay. That's, that's I, fine. I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to get into the details of this. <laughs> Not a real detail guy. <laughs> okay. Let's pretend like uh, this is my standard example on this thing. So this is used, let's start with a standard example. Let's pretend like I'm a husband, uh, and uh, and I come into your office as pastor, and my wife is there, and uh, and and we both say, Pastor, we got problems. And you say, What's the problem? And I say, The problem is that my wife doesn't trust me. And then my wife says to you, no, The problem is that he gets off work at five every day, and he doesn't come home till nine, and he won't tell me where he is. <laughs> and I say, See. She doesn't trust me. <laughs> I can't figure out what could be the problem with this. Um, okay, so uh, best construction, worst construction. The best construction is that the husband is off preparing some glorious surprise for his wife. 
that he doesn't want to spoil the surprise. You know, maybe he's fixing up a uh, uh, an, a new car, and he goes off to the garage and 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 is making this uh, pink Cadillac just perfect so that he can bring home his wife. That takes some hours after work, and uh, doesn't want to lie to his wife. Um, that's the best construction. <laughs> the stretched construction. The worst construction <laughs> would be that uh, his uh, her husband has a little extracurricular activity, maybe another another girlfriend in the mix that he finds some uh, some some free time with, and then doesn't obviously want to tell his wife when he gets home. Um, that's the worst construction. Now here's the now you want me to what, do likely construction now. Or what? Or, or maybe talk about what what is the dynamic of the of the demand for trust. Why don't you talk about that? Okay, you, okay. you apparently have thoughts on this. I want to hear. <laughs> I do have thoughts on this because you see what the when someone says trust me, when someone demands trust, uh, that that there that it often is a cover up for some illicit activity. So the likely construction is probably not going to be the surprise pink Cadillac. I would just guess. The likely construction is going to be some sort of um, sin that's happening that you want to cover it up. So you're not saying so the, you're not the, saying that the the wife should never trust her husband. You're saying that when the hus- husband demands trust of his wife, it's not a good sign. Right. It's never a good sign when someone is demanding trust because because two things are happening. I mean, one is there's a reason for the person to lack trust. I mean, there's a reason that the wife just is there. It's it's one thing if the wife was just kind of paranoid, uh, you know, and she's dealing with her own paranoia. But it's another if there's a reason. Hey, he's gone for three hours. I don't know where he is. And the and so the, the there's a reason that there's some uh, lack of trust, and then the demand for trust comes in as coercive. Now, the same sort of thing happens with a theologian. So let's go to our next example, shall okay. we? Okay. If you like it, then you better put the best construction on it. We shall. Let's pretend I'm a pastor and you're a parishioner. Okay. And I happen to be my pastor name is Mission Vision 1962. Remember hey, Mission Vision. If anybody Vision. knows how to, how you been? Log on to the Twitter you know, and get back to my mission vision. We're meeting account. all of your alternative personalities again today. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this is uh, uh, so mission vision would say something like, "Hey, uh, I've got an important vision for God, from God for our congregation, and you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to follow my lead on this. Uh, and my new mission is we need to expand the pastor's parking space <laughs> to be wide enough for my new Hummer." Ah, nice. so uh, that's the new vision for the church, by the way. Uh huh. And you just got to trust me that this is from God, you know. You know, only uh, if you could put that a, in a, a lot in, of... in a tweet somehow. <laughs> like, I like I ha- don't know how to log in. Like hashtag I... trust me or something. Hashtag that's how the mission vision did it. Remember? <laughs> hashtag trust me. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna try to put together a best construction and a worst construction. With Lumpy's mission, or sorry, not Lumpy. Sorry, Lumpy, didn't mean to insult you. With Mission Vision 1962. And uh, after that, we're going to be playing some Book of Concord B. You're listening to the one and the only Table Talk Radio. You can send us an email questions at tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back. The one and the
Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Table Talk Radio will be right back. This is my heartbeat song and I'm gonna play it. Been so long I forgot how to turn it up, 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 up all night long. Oh, up, up all night long. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Before the break, we heard you. from Glad Mission Vision 1962 in his latest uh, vision casting in which... He said that uh, his vision was about expanding the parking spot to make room for his new Hummer. And this was his vision from God, and he kind of ended it all with hashtag trust me. Is that about right? Did I summarize that? Ah, excuse me. Mission Vision Kent is allergic to the smoke from Lumpy, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you, I can guarantee you Mission Vision 1962 doesn't smoke anymore. <laughs> he did, though. That's important. He did at one time. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was relevant. But now he can't. St- he's relevant again. He was a big fan of smoking until it became uncool. Okay, let's start with the, uh, the best construction. Did, did I summarize it? Yeah. Okay, is that right? right? Okay. Uh, best construction really is. <laughs> boy, I don't know. <sighs> I'm not sure there is a best construction, and I'll explain why. Because. Well, okay, here's the best construction. The best construction is that Mission Vision 1962 is mentally ill and has hallucinations, <laughs> which he interprets as visions from God. This is <laughs> right. This I is... love it when the best when the best construction and worst construction is like this. It's either it's either mental illness or demon possession <laughs> or yeah. utter utter stupidity. And it's like, well, just pick. I mean, because I mean, the, the, there's no real good construction. The best construction is going to be bad. There's no like good intentions <laughs> here because, I mean, you can't you can't just misinterpret a vision under this best intention. So you're either thinking you're seeing something or you're lying. There's only two options. So yeah. Best construction is that he's seeing something by I guess you, I guess I said mental illness. You, you pointed out demonic possession. That's possible. Um, or the worst construction. That's also the part of the best construction. Yeah, that's part of the best construction. It is the worst. I mean, this, look, look. This is the danger of the vision casters, folks. This, I mean, this is this is why you know all of the Lutheran radio shows right now are harping on this, fighting for the faith issues, etc. Uh, table talk. I mean, all all of these programs are warning you, dear what listener. What else is there? Yeah, of uh, of of the mission or the vision caster. Because what are the possible outcomes? Either the guy is is demonically possessed or hallucinating, or this is the worst construction. He is outright lying to you to get to manipulate you to get something that he wants. Like for the example with Mission Vision nineteen sixty two. And he wants a brand new Hummer, and his parking space just doesn't fit his his Hummer. So rather than just coming saying, "Hey, I want a bigger parking spot to fit my Hummer," he says, "I have had a vision from God, and God has said that we need to expand my parking spot. And if you don't agree with me, you're really disagreeing with God." Now that is um, utterly, utterly sinful. Uh, using and, and this goes exactly against what Jeremiah warned us against these uh, these f- prophets who who declare thus saith the Lord when the Lord has not actually declared. Uh, we have what what the Lord declares in Holy Scripture. The Scripture is sufficient, so we should only preach 
what is given to us in this book, in this scriptures, in the holy, uh, holy scriptures of the Bible, and let that be our vision, not some sort of other additional revelation. Yep. And, but you see how the trust the trust move comes 500 in. 500 points for so, me. So, uh, oh, did you oh, we even do that still? Sheesh. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the thing, uh, oh, yeah, the how, trust you me. see how the trust goes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is, it, is that if you, you see, we say that it's a good work to trust, and if you don't trust your leader, then you're somehow sinning. And that is just, it's simply wrong. According to the Bible, we are not com- we are commanded not to be trusting, but to be trustworthy. And the in both of these situations, the the point of that uh, of the uh, of the conversation should be that the wife that the, the the husband can't say, "Look, my wife doesn't trust me." The wife says, "Look, you need to be trustworthy. Tell me where you are. Come home." In fact, is what you should do. And for this pastor with the, with the vision, and she says, "Trust me, this is the vision for our church." He says, "No, you need to show me that from the scriptures." You know, sh- show me, show me the doc. Don't, don't make me trust you. Let me trust Jesus. It's always the people, you know, when you run into someone who has a direct revelation from Jesus and you say, well, isn't that convenient? I mean, I remember a lady who was talking to me and she says, Jesus told me this about you. I said, well, that is really nice for you. You get to trust Jesus and I've got to trust you. <laughs> how about, how about you and me both trust Jesus? Tell him to come. If he has a message for me, tell him to give it to me directly. Oh, wait a minute. He did already. It's the Bible. And it is, like you said, apparently sufficient. Apparently. Weren't you Weren't you just dripping off of every word that I had to say a moment ago? Yeah. Well, <laughs> apparently, I didn't hear you say sufficient. I did. Trust me. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. We got another one here. Uh, now we're going to play a little book of Concord B, but first, why don't you tee us up with the email? Uh, dear Pastor Wolfmuller, hey, look at that. Someone wrote me an email. Alas. Does the book of Concord teach about Christians, quote, changing the world? At my LCMS church, our pastor and trusted deacon, trusted did you hear that? <laughs> I'm a deacon, trust me. <laughs> I, I'm a deacon. I can consecrate the sacraments, hashtag, trust me. <laughs> hashtag trust me. I've got authority. <laughs> trust me. I have a call, trust me. <laughs> at my LC Mess Church, our pastor and trusted deacon have encouraged us at different times to share the gospel and live like Jesus did to, quote, change the world. I'm reading through the book of Concord, again, looking for this idea of changing the world. I haven't seen it. Uh, if it's uh, if it's there, where is it? I'm confident it's not in the small catechism. <laughs> Who's the deacon, you ask? I, I was asking, who is the trusted deacon? But we'll take this one. Who's the deacon? Good question. When the pastor can't preach, uh, another pastor is unavailable. There's the deacon who fills in on Sundays without communion. Well, that's good. Mediocrity yours, Lisa. I guess... <laughs> It's good, I guess, that if a deacon is called in to pinch hint, he's not doing the sacrament. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I, that's unheard of in the Northwest District, but apparently. <laughs> unheard of, unthinkable. You got, look, you guys got a lot of emergencies out there. Heck so. yeah, we got emergency every day. Um, this, 
<laughs> this is which we are an emergency. I mean, this is the problem is that um, the 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 theological the, the argument of the theological emergency is self fulfilling. <laughs> I, I, I won't uh, emergency. I won't disclose any names or anything like that, but uh, there was a seminarian in the or a potential seminarian in the Northwest District that called the district office to schedule his interview. You remember going to do your your interview before you go to the seminary with the district? Yeah, and, I remember that. And uh, he calls and goes, "Hey, I'd like to schedule my in- interview so I can go to the seminary." The next thing uh, out of their mouth was, uh, "Have you considered being a deacon?" <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy. Look at it's part of the it's part of being a missionalist is to hate the pastors. Do you remember that? That's one of the marks of the missionalist. I know. I know. Ask Mission Vision, you know? He was ordained and he's embarrassed about it. <laughs> now that's that's now is is Mission Vision part of that 52 network? <laughs> Mission Vision is way ahead of the times. Oh yeah. I mean Mission Vision is like 5002, man. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, five so two. I, we're, Mission Vision. <laughs> Mission Vision doesn't even know numbers that small. <laughs> five. There's numbers below a thousand. <laughs> when you tell Mission Vision where it is a Bible verse, you have to inflate the numbers. You're like John three sixteen. Oh, you mean John three million one hundred and sixty thousand? That's Mission Vision style. That's right. He's just so Mission used to Vision at five two. He, you got to be kidding me. He's just so used to doing that. That's from like people saying, ask does, him. does Vladimir Putin ride a pony? No, he does not ride a pony. <laughs> Vladimir Putin rides a war horse. Mission Vision. I, I'm glad that Mission Vision isn't in the room. He would be so insulted. <laughs> It just made so, me think of it. Because, what were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about uh, pastors who are afraid, or who are ashamed of their ordination. Never mind. Um, okay, so it just made me think. It just made me think of something else. Okay, so we're gonna play a little book of Concord B in search for this phrase, "Change the world." And, and so we're asking the question: oh, yeah. Is somewhere now, oh, in the book but, of Concord the phrase "Change the world"? And we're gonna play it by. By giving like six quotes and seeing if that if we happen to come across yeah. it. Here's the first one. Are you ready? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I we have to explain the inside joke because the, we talked about the emergency situation, but we didn't talk about what's going on. And that is that is the, well, so real quick that if you ever want to do something that you're not supposed to do, you make it an emergency. Oh yeah, you know. And so yeah, that's standard. Uh, hey, procedure. we want to have pastors that haven't right. This is it is standard procedure. It's like right out of the Solzhenitsyn how to how to how to make everybody a socialist. I think it's in the COP handbook, the Council of Presidents handbook. They say, uh, where where a bylaw doesn't address your situation, declare it an emergency. And then, emergency do, it, and then do whatever you want. No yeah. bylaw. Yeah. <laughs> so you say if you if you want to have uh, pastors without having them go to seminary because it's a lot of work to go to seminary. I mean, I had to I had to study once. It was hard. So then you gotta say, well, we've got an emergency. We got all these pastors or churches without pastors. We need to have. It's an emergency situation up in here. We need some emergency pastors. Now, where do these guys end up going? Well, probably they go to the big churches in the city with like five other pastors. Never mind. It was an emergency. All right, we need to take a break. More table talk radio right after this. We'll have a
Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. Your stunned silence is very reassuring. (laughs) (laughs) It's going down. I'm yelling to my. Stay tuned for the after show of Table Talk Radio for fashion advice by Pastor Brian Wolfman there. <laughs> hey, the only way Mission Vision knows what 5-2 is is if it's a class of Gulf, Gulf Stream jetliner. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Um, what is. What is Mission Vision 1962 wearing right now, by the way? <laughs> it's low cut, whatever it is. <laughs> Never Mission Vision, he's, he doesn't button his top three buttons. <laughs> Where most most mission mission visionist people are just do the top we two did, buttons. Didn't we say, <laughs> that's right. He he does vision, like three he or four buttons. Sometimes doesn't even button his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> mission. <laughs> nice. You could be guaranteed he shaves his chest too. <laughs> I mean, I shave my chest or whatever. Mission All right. Vision. Am I mission vision still? Uh, we are playing the game. Uh, Book of Concord B, particularly looking for this phrase, change the world. Okay? So I'm going to read a quote from the Book of Concord, and you tell me if it says change the world and what book, what document within the Book of Concord it is. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In short, enthusiasm clings to Adam and his children from the beginning to the end of the world. Ooh, man. Fed and spread. Spicy texts. Among them as... Uh, poison by the old dragon. It is the source, power, and might of all heresies, even that of the papacy and Mohammed. Therefore, we should and must Muhammad. insist that God does not want to deal with us human beings except by means of his external word and sacrament. Everything that oh, boasts so of being from the Spirit apart from such a word and sacrament is of the devil. I'll tell you, whoever wrote that sounds like a typical Fort Wayne grad. <laughs> this can't possibly in the, be in the Book of Love, uh, otherwise known as the Book of Concord. I mean, did you hear that? That 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 venomous language, that that enthusiasm is poison. Oh, oh, but we got to make this point. I I, I keep forgetting that, about this whenever we talk about enthusiasm. That there's a, People you know, we know hear enthusiasm and we just think, hey, that, that guy's really excited. He's enthusiastic. <laughs> Those guys on Table Talk are enthusiastic, not like the God Whispers or whatever. Is that even a show still? <laughs> I think so, probably. I don't know. Now, the uh, that's not what we mean when we say enthusiasm, because uh, enthusiasm means to have a word from God apart from the Scriptures. The internal word rather than the external word. To hear God on the inside, that's enthusiasm. And here... This particular Book of Concord quote is saying that anyone who's... That, that, that move to have God's word on the inside is the basic root of every single heresy from the Pope to the enthusiasts to Muhammad, uh, the Muslims, and everybody else. And we can expand it today. I mean, we could say, look, uh, yeah, uh, secularism is all enthusiasm. Um, the, the moral revolution that's happening, it's enthu- everything is enthusiasm. When you see, uh, which is another way of saying Gnosticism, when you see people saying, hey, killing babies and mutilating bodies and Two men pretending like one of them is a woman. That's all good. That You say, well, yeah, this is enthusiasm. It's crazy. Now, those hateful words happen to be recorded for us in, small, in the small called articles 
small cult named after the city of Smallcold, where the Smallcaldic League was located, written by Martin Luther himself in preparation for a council that never happened at, I think they were planning to have that at Torgau. It ended up being at Trent. Is that where they're going to have it? And so I'm going to say, what is small called articles? Part three, article eight. Well, you don't have to put it in the form of a question because we're not playing Jeopardy, but you are correct that it is in the small called articles. Yeah, buddy. So 200 points for you. Now, where in there did it say to change the world? Uh, it didn't say that. Okay, maybe next. Maybe the next quote will. So far, we haven't had to change the world. You, how many points are you going to give me? Two hundred. Already said that. If you'd listen to me. Mm. Okay. Uh, ready? Mm-hmm. You want this in English? Uh, yes, please, please. Okay. I don't that know what we the may word. Obtain this faith. I don't know what the the phrase "change the world" is in any other language. What would that be? Mundo would be world. Change transmundo. You're looking for transmundo. That's a okay. that's my Latin Got equivalent. <laughs> that we may have, t- and also Spanish. <laughs> In Portuguese. That we- <laughs> for our uh, international listeners. Okay. That we may obtain this faith, the ministry of teaching the gospel and administering the sacraments was instituted. Uh, for through the word and sacraments, as through instruments, the Holy Ghost is given, who works faith where and when it pleases God, in them that hear the gospel, to wit, that God, not for our own merits, but for Christ's sake, justifies those who believe that they are received into grace for Christ's sake. They condemn the Anabaptists and others who think that the Holy Ghost comes to men without the external word. That's the externum verbum. Hold on, let's see, how does it say it here? Verbo externo. Got it? For you Spanish speakers. Through their own preparation and works. Ah, uh, yes. So I'll start by saying that change the world is not in that quote. We'll get that off yeah. the table. Uh, this is talking about, so this is fascinating. It's talking, uh, apparently, I'm just kind of trying to guess what the context was prior to this, was talking about. Uh, this great faith that uh, saves and justifies. And then if I remember right, um, the beginning of this quote said that we may obtain such faith, and then it talks about um, this office through which word and sacrament come, um, this external word. Um, That's pretty amazing. So that the reason that the—and you even use this word instituted, which means that the the church is not a movement but an institution— this it was instituted so that we could obtain saving faith, and it comes through uh, the office that the Lord set up, at which preaches the gospel and ministers the sacrament. I think this sounds awfully familiar to the Augsburg Confession. You are right. All right. Okay, I got one That's for the you. First use of the externum verbum there, by the way, in the Book of Concord. Here's a quote I thought for you. you'd like that. Okay. Um, for the true and almighty words of Jesus Christ, which were, which he first spoke in the first institution of the Supper, were not only effective in the first Supper, they remain so. They retain their validity and power and are still effective, so that in his words—sorry, I skipped a line—so that in all places in which the Supper is observed according to Christ's institution— 
and his words are used, the body and blood of Christ are truly present, distributed, and received on the basis of the power and might of the very same words that Christ spoke in the first supper. For whenever that Christ, for uh, wherever that Christ instituted is observed, why is that not making sense to me? For wherever that Christ instituted is observed, and his words are spoken over the bread and cup, and wherever the consecrated bread and cup are distributed, Christ himself exercises his power through the spoken words, which are still his word, by virtue of the power of the first institution. Yeah. Oh, man, that's good. Now, this is, so this is, um, you see, the Lutherans, unlike the Mission Vision 1962ists, <laughs> love institutions. Mission Vision hates institutions. Churches, uh, his theme verse is the church is not an institution. He hasn't found where it is in the Bible yet. He's looking sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with that is that Jesus institutes things, and in his word of institution, the thing itself has its ongoing effect. This is just beautiful. So that Jesus says, this is my body, and that effect, that, that word means that when, when that when the Lord's Supper is celebrated, that it is his body. Just beautiful. Uh, now, there, that is a topic, a large topic, from, um, uh, from the, uh, uh, the Lutherans, the Lord's Supper. It's talked about the Augsburg Confession, the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, the large and small catechisms, the small cult articles, and it, uh, it's talking about in the formula of Concord. So really, I'm eliminating the three creeds and the power and primacy of the Pope. Good work, good work. Now, it's a longer explanation, so I think it's not going to be small called their Augsburg Confession. The more Those are more tightly worded. So that puts it in apology, large catechism, or formula. It doesn't sound like the argument from the formula, it, uh, or from the large catechism. So, uh, so I think it's either apology or formula, but I'm going to go with the formula of concord. That is correct. And did you hear change the world in there anywhere? I did not. I did not. Okay. Well, we just have about a minute left. Do you want to say more about this, or do you want to go to your next yeah, one? Let's, yeah, let's talk about the point of changing the world. Does the Book of Concord... It's one of the marks of the evangelical and of the mission visionists that you got to think big, you know? you got to have the big... What do they call it? The big, hairy, audacious idea or whatever. we got to be world changers. But that when Jesus comes to us to save us, he doesn't come in world-changing power. He comes in great humility. And his church, like Jesus, is a humble church. His grace is a humble thing. So we, we, uh, when we become Christians, uh, we do not become world changers. Uh, Jesus is the one who simply changes our heart, and he does it in the simplicity and the humility of his word. And the church rejoices in that, not in the fact that we're out changing the world, but in the fact that Jesus has changed us from dying to living, from sinners to forgiven sinners. I think you're right. And that is the Word of God that we should proclaim and preach and, uh, and continue to uh, study and learn. Right? That's right. Okay. That's right. Well, that's going to be all the hey, time. how many points did I have? Oh, uh, another two. So 400 points. Good job. And that's all the time we have. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the denial of the sufficiency of Scripture by talking about the necessity of Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. 
Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. 